So there are three things that I would like to do today. Um, I'd like to look at where we are now uh, today and, and where we've been over these last uh, eight months as a parish, just some snapshots. And secondly, I would like to uh, let the scriptures speak to us today, especially the gospel, which is what I'm going to be focusing on. And third, I'd like to look ahead, just take a peek into 2021. I had an experience um, in one of our services of worship um, at St. John's about six weeks ago. Uh, we were in the, the chancel area doing the services. And after the service, I went into the sacristy and there on the sacristy was a calendar. And the calendar, uh, it, we were in October, was just fixed on March. Uh, none of the pages had been turned. And I brought the calendar with me. And as I turned those pages from March to April to May, June, July, August, September, I just, October, I had pictures in my mind of, of the journey that we've been on at St. John's and our country has been on over these last eight months. March 15th to to November 15th. It's been uh, quite, quite a pilgrimage. Um, as I looked at that calendar, it was as though it was frozen in time. And I do know that for, for trauma victims, when they've experienced a trauma, life stops at that difficult place. And it is only as we begin to share stories and hear one another that, that the trauma, the frozen feeling um, lifts and people begin to really claim uh, their life. And so um, as I thought about that, the, the March calendar, I remembered the first kitchen table that I ever attended in person. Lizzie Bickley was speaking. She shared her testimony about going on a pilgrimage at a difficult time in her life. And she talked about her walk on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, uh, over 20 days of walking. And as she made her journey, things that she brought with her just began to lift and she emerged on the other side of her pilgrimage, um, her journey, a different person. And for me, that metaphor of journey uh, has been an important one in my life. That sense of, you know, we're, we're all on a pilgrimage, which begins at birth, uh, maybe, and you know, maybe begins again at death, um, but we are all, we're never, life is always changing and growing and there are different seasons. And so if we use that metaphor to understand where we are now, we're just in a different place on our journey. Uh, we are, virtual now, as opposed to being hybrid. Uh, this is for a season. We are reminded uh, once again uh, to be more cautious now than we were in the summer months. Um, Chuck and I were rehearsing together the three W's that we've learned over these last eight months. Wash your hands, wear masks, and watch your distance. And, you know, we're sheltering in place. Uh, or when venturing out to work 
or to, um, to go for essentials to remember that though we are in um, an, a rising uptick of uh, virus rates, um, there's, hope on, there's hope on the horizon and our hope, yes, there will be a vaccine, but we as Christians place our hope in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I was thinking about our life at St. John's and how much we are defined really by our relationships. First of all, our relationship with God. We are followers of Jesus and our, our pilgrimage, our journey has led us to St. John's. And then secondly, we have a relationship with one another and the larger Christian church. We're not defined by a building, although we do appreciate the beauty of a historic building. We are defined by our relationships. And though we will be away from the building for a time, while we are away, there are some pretty exciting things happening inside of the building. And when we return, it will look fresh and updated and we will be surprised by some of the wonderful things that have been happening inside. I picked up a flyer uh, the other day from Youth and Family Services and they have a, a new uh, mission statement, a motto, physically distanced, socially connected. I thought, that's really good. Physically distanced, socially connected. I might even modify that and say, physically distanced, spiritually connected. In many ways, at least from my experience, our relationships have deepened over these past months. We are sharing a common experience, a common journey, and one that we, for some of us, will tell our children and our grandchildren. Um, the prayers of the people over Zoom, you know, we can hear one another, we can see each other, um, and we know that there is hope. So what do we do while we are waiting to return to our building? Well, that is a great question and one that fits right in with our gospel for this Sunday. Throughout the Olivet Discourse where uh, Jesus is teaching, the Mount of Olives, uh, beginning in the previous chapter of Matthew, Jesus continually warns his disciples to be watchful, to keep watch. In other words, we should be prepared and ready for his return by staying faithful. His return will be unexpected. Even Jesus does not know when. So my sermon today is really part B of Abby Storch's sermon last week. She preached on the parable of the 10 virgins and the bridegroom. Some were prepared and others were not. The end of the parable is another one of Jesus's cliffhangers. Uh, those listening to him were told to keep awake, be prepared, watch and wait. So today, part B addresses the question of how 
we wait. Let's look at the gospel together. Uh, thank you, Shansia, for reading it so beautifully. Jesus told the story of a wealthy landowner who was preparing for a long journey. He called his servants together, three of them, and he divided some investment money between them. To one servant, he gave five talents, which really means a sum of money, and to another, two talents, and to a third, one talent. Well, right away, we might say injustice, um, inequality, it's unfair. You know, the, the why would one servant get five, another two, and another one? In fact, aren't we all equal in the sight of God? In the parable, Jesus is talking about money. He gave money to his servants and asked them to invest the money so that his financial investment would grow while he was away. But here is the point of it. His money was given according to each one's ability to handle the money. In other words, no one received more or less, according to the parable, than the master thought he could handle. Now, because it's a parable, we can look at that parable through many different lenses. And as I went to various commentators, it was easy for them to shift from looking at the story being about the investment and return of money or finances to um, abilities, of course, abilities or talents. And when we think of talents, we think of maybe natural gifts or abilities that people have. And a lot of the, the commentators really landed on that, you know, time and, um, and, and our abilities, uh, the things that we do. The, the point of the parable is that we are responsible to use well what God has given us. The issue of this parable is not so much what we've been given, not how much we have, but how well we use what we have. Yes, we are equally loved by God, and it seems from the parable, some are entrusted with more, perhaps because they can handle more. So what we are given comes as both gift and responsibility. Whenever I preach, I always um, mentally imagine your faces. I, I think about the people who are in the congregation and, and the ones who'll be listening to this sermon. And as I mentally saw your faces, uh, which I'm much easier to do now that we've been on Zoom for a while, I thought about the people at St. John's that are so gifted and so talented. Um, as I was writing the sermon, I thought about the fact that we are surrounded by five talent people. And that is quite a compliment. Some of you are going to change the world. I know it. You're going to invent things. You're going to write books. Uh, some of you are, are going to, in your small way, 
shape the world in which we live. Now, those are the ones who are maybe younger than 40. And those of us who maybe are a little older than 40, um, some of you have already written books and you've shaped lives and you have been mentoring people for decades. And, and our job, those of us who are over 40, have the privilege of trying in some small way to pass on uh, what, what we know uh, to pass the torch. So I think that's one of the gifts of St. John's. It's a learning community. It's a place of discipleship. It's a place of growing. And I couldn't help but think about our preacher last week, Abby. I'm not even sure she's, uh, there she is. I see her under the participants, her name. I can't see her face. Um, Abby, to me, that's the first time she's ever preached. She is a five talent per person. She is intelligent and educated. She can sing, she can play, she can lead worship. And now I know that she could, she can preach wonderfully. And that's the good news. But of course, the challenge will be gift and responsibility. How will she use these wonderful gifts that God has given her? Some of us around the, uh, the congregation this morning are two talent people. I was talking a little bit with uh, Chuck about, you know, how do we see ourselves? One, two, or five. And I said, well, you know, I'm probably more of a two. Um, and the reason I say two is that I am a multitasker. Um, I'm often doing two things at one time. Uh, it's, it's not really great because sometimes I'm doing one thing and I miss something over here. Uh, for, other, for, other, for example, last week I sent uh, Justina Sullivan uh, a text that should have gone to my brother because I was on two group texts at the same time. So it's not always great to be a multitasker, but God has given me a couple of talents and I hope that I'm investing them wisely. And to those of you who see yourself as a one talent person, I don't think there's anybody around the Zoom box that is, do not be afraid. Do not bury your gifts. Don't let those gifts sit idle. Because here's one of the things that I've learned over decades, the more you use what God has given you, the more you will have of it. So think about it as um, a musician. The more you play, the more you practice, the more somebody will recognize you and ask you to use your gift. And the more you use it, the more you'll grow in it. But if you let fear hold you back, if you bury that gift, it will not grow. And you know, one of the things that I've learned is the root of procrastination is fear. It's really a form of perfectionism. I learned that from someone near and dear to me who told me that once he had a realization, that if he put off doing his sermon until as long as he possibly could, that he had a built-in excuse that it wasn't perfect. Well, you know, that kind of perfectionism can be, um, can be paralyzing. 
The same with preachers. In order to grow in something, you must use it. You must face your fears and step out in faith. And this is a story not for today, but sometime I will tell you the story of how I actually accepted the fact that I was going to be a public speaker um, and preach and actually enjoy it because I avoided it for um, a long time. So the important thing to remember from this gospel is that each servant was given something. No one was left idle. So let's think about us today. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Some of us are at home and we are able to shelter in place and we're learning how to get essentials. Well, what can you do after all your home? Well, I'm telling you that phone call, that, um, that prayer, that note can change somebody's lives. That's why we gather as a church community to learn how to support one another. So when the landowner returned, he called his servants together and the five talent service servant uh, returned an additional five talents. Um, he grew it by a hundred percent. Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The reward, and here's the hard part, um, good stewards are given greater responsibility. You gotta use what God has given you to use. And so how does it work? A young child reads a book, finds that that book opens up brand new, incredible worlds, falls in love with reading, goes to college, majors in English literature, uh, wants to share that love with others, goes to graduate school to become a professor. In other words, the gift grows exponentially when it's used. When it's buried, it doesn't grow. And then we give it away. Some of you are waiting until you get really proficient in something to step out, to invest. And I am here to tell you that the only way you will grow is to step out and take that risk. For those of you who have to write your dissertation, put your pen to the page and start. For those of you who wonder how you could make a difference, ask God. And I guarantee you somehow you will find some invitation to step out. It's a growth process, growing in what we've been given one step at a time. So the two talent man doubled his money. Well done, good and faithful servant. The same as above, something is given and used and grows. And what about the one talent man? Well, many of the commentators like to, to focus on him um, and he 
stepped forward and he said to the master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. I was afraid. And in his fear, he turned inward and not outward. His focus was on himself. He became self-absorbed. And as his world grew smaller, he became more fearful. He was protecting precious resources instead of sharing them, not understanding that that which is shared grows more. He buried what he was given. And in the end, the master was angry with him using words like slothful and wicked. So I'm not gonna spend time so much focusing on the man who was afraid. We've all been there. Uh, this sermon is really a sermon of encouragement to step forward. And let me tell you what will happen when you step forward. And I have kind of a theory about this. I've seen this in parish ministry. The person who steps forward is not always the best equipped. And here's my, here's my theory. God sends out the call. And eventually, some of us pick up the phone. And I'm kind of convinced that I maybe might have been number two or three or four or even five on God's list. But eventually, I picked up the phone and said, okay, here am I, send me. And my life um, in ordained ministry for um, 46 years now has been like a, a windy path of saying yes and thinking I was going to do one thing and then being bivocational and then being full-time for a while and now being a missional priest. And it's this, it's the journey. It's a pilgrimage. And at every point, um, I said, you know, I'm really, I don't know that I'm really the right person for this. And let me tell you, I have felt that at St. John's at times. I just, I take it as a given right now that every one of you around this screen is probably smarter than I am. I just start from there. But God has called me to be here as one of your clergy because of some gifts that I have. Maybe my gifts are just you know, networking and organizing and helping you shine. And that's okay with me because there's a lot of uh, shine at uh, St. John's. So you know, the, you know the saying, God calls the equipped. Uh, God does not call the equipped, he equips the call. So um, the first time I read this parable, I was, I was pretty unhappy. It really seemed unfair that God would take somebody who only had one talent and then give it to somebody who already had a talent. It just didn't seem fair or right. Kind of like when Abby preached about the parable of the 10, the virgins and the bridegroom, the ones who were uh, ready and prepared didn't share with those who had. And she helped us understand that parable and open it up. And I think that as we look at the meaning of this parable, uh, using what we have, we begin to understand that, that if we don't use something, you know, 
Um, I know this, you know, just in terms of I have a kind of a chronic knee problem. If I don't get out and walk and move, um, it tightens up and I'm going to eventually anyway have to put a call into my surgeon. So use it or lose it. That's the phrase. Share it, invest it and watch your investment grow. So let me ask you, where are you investing your precious resources, your financial resources, your time, your abilities? And I am here to say that every person in this congregation this morning has the ability to make a difference in some small way or large way. Every day, you have the ability to change someone's life. So I wanna say a few words about um, 2021. You know, um, today is St. John's in-gathering Sunday. It is a time when we receive pledges for the coming year. It's a harvest theme, so to speak, uh, the in-gathering of the fruit of our life, which are pledges for the coming year and also artist work that is offered to God in the Racial Justice Fellowship mural presentation, which will happen immediately after the service. So in our pledges, the focus of talents is our financial resources. And some of you have already made a pledge. And if you have made a pledge, we thank you. And some of you are praying about making a pledge. And maybe some of you never even thought that your pledge could make a difference. And I'm telling you that it can. Every person around this congregation this morning can make a difference. Some of you have received a pledge card in the mail with a stamped addressed envelope. And we sent it to you, uh, trusting that you'll send it back uh, with a commitment. So I wanna step back from just specifically St. John's and look at the bigger issue of stewardship, the stewardship theme. Um, we are stewards of all that God has given us and what we own comes to us as a gift and we must make wise choices about where we invest. So there's a difference between teaching about stewardship and doing fundraising. We want every person to be a good steward of all that God has given you. Uh, the biblical um, view of a stewardship, what we give back to God financially is 10%, 10%. Uh, we get to keep 90% uh, and we use 10% uh, with, um, for God's kingdom. And sometime I'll tell you some other stories about about how God gives us the wisdom to use the 90% that we have if we'll share that first 10%. And as soon as I talk about the tithe, 10%, often questions come up, how do we calculate the tithe before or after taxes? And I'm gonna just say, that's between you and God. Then the question is, where do we give our tithe? And the tithe, as I've come to see it, is goes to God's storehouse. It's where we're fed spiritually. It's where we're nurtured. It's in our, our places of worship. 
And so um, we do give, Chuck and I, to places like the United Way um, or, or our, our schools, but we don't calculate that as part of our tithe. Our tithe goes to places where we're building up God's kingdom. And our financial giving to the church really is an act of worship. It's an act of thanksgiving and gratitude to God for all that we have. It's our way of saying thank you. And it's a spiritual discipline, something that we grow in over time because our relationship with money is in fact a spiritual issue. David Mahan, our stewardship chair, called the stewardship invitation this year, confident giving. Confident, we give, we know that we're gonna come out on the other side of this. We are confident in our relationship with God. We will be wise and watchful, but we do not live in fear. So if you want to know what you really value, we've said it before, look at where we spend our time and, and you know, our, our money, our calendar and our checkbook. Um, for those of you who have pledged, thank you. We are grateful. We are um, wise in how we use the funds that are given to us. We've been able to keep our staff on. We've been able to maintain our buildings. We've been able to continue on with the ministry that we have. And you may think that your pledge is too small, but I'm telling you, it isn't. No matter uh, the amount, it is not insignificant. And perhaps you've attended our services online and you're not even members of St. John and never occurred to you that you might make a pledge. We would love to hear from you in that way. During this pandemic, we have remained open. In eight months, we have never closed. Now, there was a period of time that our buildings were closed, but our buildings and our grounds still required care. I can't imagine what it would be like to go through um, this, this pandemic without a worshiping community a group of people to share together and to pray for one another and to help one another. I am so blessed when I hear um, dear Phyllis praying on Sunday morning and I know that Robert Missouri is right there with her, uh, pushing all the right buttons, um, helping her to pray. Sometimes he's with Parley. Uh, someone in our congregation a couple of weeks ago became ill and right away, People reached out to her, they brought food, they made sure she was well taken care of and prayed for. So a church is a community of relationships. First of all, relationships with God and second, uh, with one another. We want St. John's to continue to be a place where you meet God, a place of healing and worship and encouragement, a place where you grow in your faith, and not so that you can hold on to it, but so that you can share it with other people. That's the purpose of a church, to meet God and to give away what we have and to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing. And so I am today 
inviting you to invest some of what you have here at St. John's as an act of worship and as an act of commitment. And at this time, I wanna turn the sermon over to our stewardship chair, to David Mahan, and he's going to say a few words. Uh, thank you, Ellen Dale, and thank you for those words. Uh, I, I just love the wisdom that you bring to this and uh, bring to us and the way that you open up the scripture to us and really provide guidance. And uh, this is a day of Thanksgiving. And the first Thanksgiving I want to utter is how deeply thankful we are for you and for Chuck and the, the leadership, uh, the stewardship of your lives that we all benefit from so much. So thank you for that. Uh, and I want to echo what, what Ellendale said too. Thank you for all of you who have pledged. I, I, I would guess maybe half of them have now come in. I, they've been hung up in the mail and all of these things. So please uh, continue to make those pledges. Uh, but again, using this image of the journey of the pilgrimage, it's always appropriate to stop and thank the Lord along the way. Um, and so I've, I've uh, described this in gathering as uh, a harvest of faith that we're thanking the Lord for as we have expressed and continue to express confident giving. We look to the future uh, and we thank the Lord in advance that he has provided everything that we're going to need to move forward uh, together in this mission. And so um, I'm grateful for that, ever grateful for the generosity of this church. I'm just amazed uh, by us and, and thankful for um, how the Lord continues to work in, in significant ways through all of us. So uh, please do uh, keep pledging um, if you haven't yet. And with all of the encouragement and insight that Ellendale just shared with us. Um, but as we turn to thank the Lord, let's, let's be mindful uh, of how, uh, as we talked about from uh, my sermon in Haggai, how uh, making him a priority um, and trusting in his presence is what really carries us into a, a fruitful future together. Um, uh, so as we, we turn to pray uh, in our act of consecrating uh, our gifts and our pledges for the upcoming year, uh, we especially express our gratitude uh, to the Lord who cares for us uh, so generously. So thank you for all of that. So just to, to invite you to um, join together in this um, stewardship prayer that we have included as part of our service. And, you know, it's as simple as just sending an email to St. John's Church, um, just title it Stewardship, um, and just um, say in thankfulness to God's uh, gifts to me, I pledge the amount of such and such for 2000. 21. Um, and that would be gratefully received. You don't need a special form. It's just if you would indicate to our, um, to our, our vestry, our stewardship chair, David, and, and all of the members of our vestry and wardens that so we can plan faithfully for the coming year, um, what ministries um, we can support and encourage. 